0: Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get get down down to to business. All right. Hey guys, welcome back to the PTBC Podcast. My name is Justin, and I'm actually running a solo podcast today. Today, we have a very, very special guest. We have a detox physiotherapist. Avid Leafs fan and country music enthusiast, enthusiast, Alex Hart. Now, I don't want to spill any more beans because we have some very exciting news about Alex. So I'll just let him tell his story. But I also think this is a great timing for Alex to join us on the podcast because of his recent news this week. So let's get down to business. How are you doing today, Alex?
1: Good, man. Good. Um, Very nice intro. Um, (laughs) Got to mention the country music and the Leafs, of course. But no, that's awesome. I was just going to say, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, man. So I appreciate you having you on the podcast. It's been a long time coming. I think I know we tried to plan something back when we were in school, but uh, the dates never lined up. And uh, this actually is is actually a better time because of the, the news that you're going to be talking about soon. So, so yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's um very, very exciting time personally and uh, with my detox as well. So very, very yeah. excited.
0: So let's, uh, let's just start by, you know, uh, letting the listeners know a little bit more about your background story and your journey in physiotherapy with Ma detox and you know, the role that you're transitioning to in the, in the upcoming year.
1: Yeah. So, um, I, uh, graduated from U of T, uh, physio in 2016. Um, before that, if anyone's curious, I went to Waterloo for kinesiology, um, did the co-op program, graduated there in 2014. Um, but yeah, so did my placements, graduated, um, from U of T and I, it was actually during one of my placements that I had originally heard about my OD Um, I luckily enough lived right around the corner down uh, on Queenskey in Toronto. And, uh, from there I just ended up applying, uh, fortunate enough to sit down with Scott and Ben, the two founders. Um, and luckily got hired. Uh, I was actually very surprised to get hired as a new grad and everything, but, um, the way kind of things fell into place. I was very fortunate enough to just go on full time and kind of jump kind of both feet in and, uh, just really commit myself to my detox. So, but started with them. Um, actually long story, not too, too short, but, um, so did my national exam, um, going through that, I actually, uh, so I started working for about three months as a PT resident. um, surprisingly when I tell people this, they're very surprised that I actually failed the national exam the first time. Um, and I know I've told you that before Justin, but, uh, yeah, so failed that. And, um, that's when I kind of, you know, got into Instagram. I had a lot more free time cause, um, the, uh, Canadian physio, uh, or the Ontario college, like they changed the regulation. So I couldn't take any initial assessments, anything like that. Um, but then really dove into kind of social media, um, and just went from there. Um, I ended up getting licensed, uh, late August in 20, that would be 2017. Now, um, immediately kind of dove right into a community role with the company was very fortunate enough to work out of our city place location and, um, got to travel a lot and just meet a lot of cool people within the company. Um, but yeah, then it went from there and we, you know, started to grow. That's when the Vancouver team came on and everything. Um, Then our community team started to grow, so I got to grow my role there a little bit more and um, got the role as kind of community outreach lead within Toronto. And then from there, I was also given kind of this dual role of uh, clinic director at our Davisville location. So Davisville, um, for anyone that knows it, it was kind of one of the staples of how MyoDetox started. It was one of our two original locations in Toronto. And um, I knew that that position was not permanent because I knew eventually we were going to close Davisville. And that's when the news came about Yorkville. And, uh, so one of our physios, Jason is our clinic director there. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of where I am now. So I'm working at city place, working at, um, Yorkville now, and just really enjoying it, working quite a bit actually as well too. But, um, yeah, so I transitioned out of the community role last August um, and that's because I just had, had a call with our regional director, uh, Dr. Kevin Mary show and Scott Marcasio. um, and Scott and Kevin were doing one of those late night brainstorm sessions in LA. And they're like, so why, why don't you get back in the clinic director seat? And I'm like, okay. So I, I just got back from vacation at this point and Scott's like literally FaceTiming me. Um, my girlfriend was at Budweiser stage at a country concert telling me to go there and <laughs> it was just funny. Like I was, I think I had just gotten home from Nashville that night and Scott called me. He's like, so yeah, like we're gonna, we're gonna open another clinic and we're, we want you to be the clinic's director of it. And I'm like, okay, perfect. Like, I think that's where my strengths are anyway. Like I love numbers. I love all of that stuff and the business side of things and kind of dove into that. So, um, we had our Yorkville launch party. So fast forward to basically two weeks ago had our Yorkville launch party um february it was mid mid to late feb and uh then got to make the announcement that we're opening um another location inside the path in the financial district downtown toronto so um it kind of brings me to this point now where um you know get to really transition into more of that leadership role and try to just you know get some people on my team you know so sure. it's it's been really fun
0: yeah no that's that's amazing story man um how does it feel like you know as a new grad you know joining my detox as a startup and kind of going through that path as a new grad to you know working as you know a community outreach lead towards you know being a temp uh, clinic director to now finally getting your kind of own clinic in in the path and you know being a clinic director and taking more on a more of a leadership role how does that yeah yeah
1: um it's like I'm I'm very proud of it um I like I know I've worked very very hard and um you know everyone sees highlights and stuff but there's so many like like behind the scenes so many hours so many late nights like I've treated you know treated till like 11 11 30 some nights you know just just so that clients could get treated and stuff and so I know like deep down like on like in kind of down in the micro like focusing on a caseload level it's like You know, I've really developed that really well. Um, And just to be able to share that with more people. I've already tried to do it with a lot of our team members already. And so just excited to, yeah, just share that more. Like I look back at the point of, like, I remember like the new, getting the news that I failed the exam and stuff. So, you know, sent a text to Scott and Vin, or I think it was on Slack or whatever, um, just our group messaging and whatever it was. But I just remember Vin just being like, he's like, don't worry, we got you. You know, so to take it kind of from that point to now is like, you know, they, they really did. So, um, at the end of the day, like, you know, the company is really, really grown and we've like, it hasn't been all ups there has been downs too, but to see kind of, I don't want to say the light at the end of the tunnel, but kind of like for lack of a better term, um, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're really trying to do amazing things. So I'm just happy to be a part of it.
0: Yeah. And, uh, like, you know, just even when I was a student back in at U of T, you know, you know, I just was way built to witness from afar, you know, your hustle and, you know, while you're doing so much clinical hours, you were able to still able to give back. You know, I think, uh, I think the first time I met you, it was through the, was it like that mentorship that, uh, so, so some type of mentorship at U of T and then we kind of connected there. And then, um, uh, you know, you, 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 we met up a couple of times, you know, outside of, outside of a clinic and, uh, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to give me advice as a, as, a, as a student and then as a new grad, you know, because I think there's a lot uh, steep learning curve for new grad physiotherapists, new grad cryros, new grad RMTs, and, you know, just being able to learn from someone that's been through that process and has gone through the steps and is very successful in what they do. I think that uh, speaks volumes to, to, to your character and to your leadership thanks man
1: yeah i remember i remember that you like i think it that's that's the moment when i realized i was like oh god am i like instagram famous or something like (laughs) this guy knows who i am you know um, yeah yeah. i I remember you were taking
0: it back i was like yo can i take a picture with you and you're like wait what me
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 like i I don't even know what year that was that was 2017 maybe
0: i think that was 2017 because i think i was still in first year at the time yeah Yeah, gotcha
1: But yeah, we, um, actually funny enough, that mentor events coming up next week. So I'm, I'm going to be, I'll be at U of T. Um, I, was it the speed round thing? Yeah, it was, it was a speed
0: round thing where it was just like, you know, bullet kind of, you know, you talk for like five minutes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm doing that next Tuesday. So that'll be, that'll be fun. It's all about just like giving back to people, like giving back to the students and everything. Cause like, like I said, like I've, I've been through it. We've all been through it now. So we know what we change and you know, like four years out now. So of just like, I know kind of like all of that stuff to, I don't want to say leapfrog, but just speed things up for people. hundred percent, man.
0: Like, you know, the amount of knowledge I was able to get just from talking with you, talking with, you know, other physiotherapists that have gone through that journey, it helped facilitate My, my learning and my growth, like exponentially. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think for, at least for myself, you know, as a new grad, you know, I kind of went through a little bit of imposter syndrome, you know, people come in and they're in pain and they kind of expect you to be able to help them. Right. And as a new grad, you don't might not feel like you have the tools or the skill set to help them, but talking with, with more experienced physios, you know, I was able to kind of ground myself and and just understand my value and, and care about, or care about people. So, so yeah.
1: Yeah. And you, you have to be able to do that. And that's, that's the hardest thing as a new grad. I don't think like, like people, we're very sheltered and very naive. You know, you go, you go through your undergrad and all you have to worry about is your marks and you go through your master's and really all you have to do is worry about your marks and then placement. Um, you yeah. don't realize at the end of that road, it's like, it's kind of just us starting, but we don't actually realize like we actually know a lot, you know, like we, we actually do. We just don't know how to funnel it in the right way. Totally so totally. it's just, just a lot of that stuff.
0: But yeah, yeah. So, so tell me a little bit more about, you know, your role. I think you mentioned, uh, you guys are opening path, I think at the end of this year, tell me a little bit more about the role that you're going to take on and you know, how you're going to transition from a, just a therapist right now to a lot more responsibility, you know, helping to grow your team, taking on more of a leadership role.
1: Yeah. so, So, um, Right now, everyone just calls me a workhorse. They don't know why I work so much. And then now that they see the path, everyone internally is like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. So um, right now I work uh, six days a week, you know, eight shifts in six days. So I don't know how many clinical hours it is, but it's it's a lot. Um, but basically, when you get into that leadership role, so the path is opening, I'm going to say September, October this year. Um, and once I transition more into that leadership role, uh, definitely I'm just like reducing my caseload. So the goal would be to be treating two days a week. Um, I'll probably start off at three and help cover where needed, you know? So, but the idea is just to be support for the team. Like, um, we're going to be hiring a number of physios, a number of chiros and a number of RMTs, um, who just want to work and be in our ecosystem and, um, I just have to be that resource for them and support them. It's not like I'm going to be running around being like, Oh, you have to do this. You have to do that. It's like, how can I help support them and help them grow? You know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's my biggest goal. So it comes in the, in three forms, right? There's the clinical aspect of it. And then you have the business aspect of it. And then you have, you could say the soft skills or like the leadership aspect of it. And it's, it's hard to combine all of those. Right. So Mm -hmm. you look at me, I'm like, 29 almost, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so my goal was always to have the clinic before I was 30. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So like, I'm still a relatively young therapist, but, and I know that like, I, I don't think I'm like some crazy all-star therapist. I know I'm willing to work hard for it. But, yeah. Um, yeah. and I know I can, I know I can mentor people and that doesn't just come from the clinical side. That's goal setting. That's, that's business. Mm-hmm. That's understanding the company as a whole and how someone moves upwards in that. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of that's kind of worth sitting
0: in terms of you know you with now you're taking on more of a bigger leadership role and being surrounded by you know such great leaders such as nick such as drew such as scott such as ben what is what would you say is the one thing that you learned from all of them that you can apply or you're trying to model after with your clinic director role now
1: um so Yeah. We have a very, um, don't even know how to explain the model. It's a non-centralized model. So what that means me being a clinic director, I am, it's kind of like, I think I was saying to you previously, it's, um, you're like Scott said, it's like, you're, uh, like the mini CEO of your own company. Right. And that's, that's reality. You have to have a lot of understanding of the business and a lot of initiative. So looking at that, it's like, the biggest thing, the reason I kind of got where I am is like, I just had initiative and I just honestly just showed up and kind of tried to say yes to every opportunity. Like was the community role good for me? It's like, yeah, like it helped me grow my caseload. Um, it helped me grow, you know, our city place clinic and our Toronto region. But at the end of the day, it's like the business side kind of got me into the, um, into the clinic director role. So, I think for me it was just just initiative. Looking back at everything, and I think they noticed that.
0: Let's transitioning to advice for new grads, and you know, with with it with your team and growing your team with physios, chiro's, and RMTs. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about you are telling me about this therapist playbook that you guys are creating that you guys have internally. Could you tell me a little bit more about that and how you kind of are creating that to help the therapists on your team?
1: Yeah. So. Um, the way, um, we kind of, you know, you view a client as they come in your door and, um, you've probably heard this a million times. You either have a warm lead or a cold lead. Everybody wants warm leads, right? If you have a cold lead, how do you warm up that cold lead? So the way I view it and within our myo detox ecosystem is we're very fortunate enough to have the brand as well. So that is just another touch point. And, all I'm talking about with this therapist playbook and I can't take credit for it it's uh, our regional director Kevin who kind of brought that on to me and like was telling me about it and it's it's things that everybody knows but not everybody does so let's say you go to um, company X and let's say uh, I don't know let's say you go to my detox and you're like oh cool like I want to go to this clinic I want to Fix whatever is going on with me. How did you hear about that? Right? How did you originally hear about coming into a clinic or into some sort of brand or ecosystem? And what are all the touch points along the way? So, the therapist playbook is those touch points to basically be like, okay, cool. Like, are you, you look at someone's caseload, you sit down as a clinic director, and maybe a therapist is doing really well in some areas, maybe they're doing not as well in other areas. And You can look at this playbook and start to implement different strategies to retain more of your clients. So it's not to overwhelm someone like we could, we could sit here just the two of us and we could talk about probably 500 things we could do better in the clinic and in terms of client retention and uh, like outside of the clinical side of things, right? You know, I know people that send emails before their clients come in, an intro email, send them exercises after their first session. Um, things like that. And like, what do you do after, you know, session three, session four, session five? Um, what are you doing with patients who have maybe dropped off or um, have? You, are you sending emails to them? So it's that sort of thing to help therapists kind of just retain a little bit more of the caseload. And the whole idea behind that is Let's say for a one percent analogy, it's like if you retain one percent of your caseload or you implement one of these things, let's say you get that one percent back. But it might not seem like a lot, but if you're doing five, six, seven, eight, maybe ten of those things, then that's when it's starting to add up, and then you start to really, really hone in on that, and you're you're helping yourself grow. You're just speeding up your own ramp within within the ecosystem. Um, yeah that's that's basically what that what that playbook kind of is um and it's it's stuff we all do i know like you you look at your numbers you look at all of that stuff as well and it's um it's not rocket science it's just trying to put a system behind it and not overwhelming therapists but getting them to just implement play with it learn about their own communication methods what they can improve just to reflect on themselves
0: yeah i know i think that's really interesting um for me, it's like, and I think it's very similar. It's it's understanding the client lifecycle, right? And like you said, it starts before they even enter the door, before you even do an initial assessment with them, right? It's like, how do they find out about the clinic? How do they find about, you know, mild detox? How do they find about, you know, your services, right? And then from there, what is each touch point along the way from before they come, before they make that appointment to you meeting them for the first time to you, Helping them complete their plan of care to you, discharging them out back into community. I think it's really important for therapists to understand that life cycle, so that we can have a better understanding of being able to attack or you know address each touch point along the way, right? And I think you said it best, right? It's a lot of it is outside the just the clinical part. Clinical part. It's about what we're doing before, what we're doing after, how we're following up with the patient. You know, whether that be phone calling, emailing. You know what are we doing to you know help facilitate their journey are we sending them exercises are we you know touching base right um mm-hmm. but I think that's you know that's really really important and I think for a new grad it kind of opened my eyes you know when I kind of realized oh shit this is not just me working with a client it's it's about something that's bigger than that right so, exactly. so yeah
1: and um, I think like can go back to the textbook you remember all the competencies for physiotherapists right um I think we like we have to do that. Like it's not just like someone drops off they're like ah like I didn't click with you, I don't want to come back. It's you know stuff happens in people's lives. They're they're moving, all of this stuff. They might have lost their job. Like as long as you know what these things are and you can track it in an objective way, then it just allows you to reach out to those people later on and continue their plan of care and really truly get them to get to the root cause of their issues and help them. Um, I think if we, if we don't do it, then they just drop off and we yeah. all know that.
0: Yeah. And you know, as a new grad, I, I face that you face, everyone faces, is, you know, it's for most of us, we're on a fee split, right. And building our case though, maintaining a case. So it is probably one of the biggest challenges, right. You know, as a new grad, you know, getting people to buy into your plan of care, being able to be able being, having people, um, seeing the value that you're able to provide, I think that's a big challenge, right? But what would you, you know, we kind of talked about, you had some tips for new grads. Um, what would you say your kind of your top 10, five, 10 tips are and
1: yeah, what, what's some things that you learned along the way? Um, one thing, um, we always try to do and, um, you know, there's different clinics have different things. Um, I think the the biggest most it's the most important thing is have some sort of senior therapist therapist like mentorship or something that's going on and I think what some people from what I've heard from like different colleagues is that they um there's a lot of like like very formal mentorship programs as well um but I don't know if that's just the way to go like you know some it's like they might be paid and it, that's fine for clinical skills but i think we know we come into school we know a lot of assessment and stuff so i say the biggest thing is like shadow your therapist just to understand like the flow of a treatment session how do they interact with their client um because that's what like what other than that you're going to walk into your first client and be like cool like i know how to do an anterior drawer test on the knee like like you know these objective tests but how do you put together a 60 minute assessment or a 30 minute treatment right so and make the client feel confident in you as well. So just the tone of your voice, and you hear that from a senior therapist, and that's super super important. Um, yeah, the second one would be, um, it's kind of a broad one, but showing initiative, empathy, and empowerment. Um, now the biggest thing is empowerment is going to be the not the easiest one, but you know, you come in and you want you want your client to feel like a rock star, right? Like whatever their goals are, you're like you don't want them to just reach those goals how many people come in and they're like oh yeah like you ask them oh like what's your goal like what do you what do you want to do and um they're like oh like i just want to get out of this pain but it's like okay but why do you want to get out of this pain like what do you actually want to do and it's really hard to get that sometimes so i think like the empowerment empathy initiative side of things within a clinic is very very powerful to be like i am not just you know i'm not just a therapist in the room like when you come in, I'm going to take your coat and hang your coat for you. You know, if there's spilt water around the clinic, I'm going to clean that up. I'm not going to make someone else do that. So I think that sort of stuff, and that's kind of on a business side, but also for the client side too. It's like people take notice of those small things and you're never going to see them get paid off right away, but it's in the long run that those small things add up. Um, and yeah, so that's the second one. So basically showing that initiative and empathy empowerment within the clinic. Just don't be, basically don't be robotic, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What do you think of that one?
0: I, well, that's when you said that it's, I, I I remember visiting you, I think maybe two, three weeks ago. And first thing I remember, can I take your coat, man? You know, do you want some water? Do you, I think you guys had some like David, some next level, like David's tea thing there. And yeah, you're like, yo, do, do you want some, like you guys oh, had hot water, like yeah. just on tap or something. And yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, it's just these little things, right? Can I take your bag? Right. These little things that, you do that to show that you care, to show that you're putting someone almost like the center of attention, right? And you're making yeah. sure they feel important, right? I think that's yeah. really that's that's the fundamental thing for any new client coming to a clinic, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 that speaks volumes because that's like your first impression, mm-hmm. right? And people see that you do that, they you know you go that little extra step to make them feel at home, make them feel comfortable, right? Because you know rehab injuries pain, it sucks. Right. And people don't necessarily like coming to physio, to a chiro, to rehab. Right. It's, you know, they're in pain, they have an injury, they can't do what they love to do. Right. So for me, what I learned is, you know, how do we make that process, that journey as enjoyable for them to complete? Right. Because if, if someone comes in and they're like, they don't want to be there, you know, they're not having fun, you know, you don't make them feel at home. Right. Then what's the chances of you? actually able to complete their plan of care with them right and for me it's like when someone comes in it's like yo you 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 just got to bring the energy right and you got to show them that you actually care and you got to make the process enjoyable right so yeah
1: no I, i agree completely and um yeah so i guess like the the next point i'd say so the third one is um and you mentioned kind of alluded to it earlier it's like um Growing a caseload, a lot of us are on a fee split. So, you know, we're all trying to pay off student debt, all that stuff. And it's, you have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's just a reality. Um, some people, you know, you might get thrown into a super, super busy clinic and you, you know, maybe someone leaves on a mat leave, whatever it may be. And you, you might not have to grow your caseload. I'm very fortunate and happy that I did grow my caseload, you know, with the support of Milo and, you know, from my own work as well but um there's going to be that drop off and everything and it's just it, you just can't take it personal it's just it just happens so mm-hmm. that that aspect of being uncomfortable it's just like know that um it's in the long run it's it's actually a good thing like it's going to make you a better therapist overall and a better person down the road
0: i think that that doesn't just apply with you know in clinic it just applies to everything in life right if you want to yeah. grow if you want to You know, reach your goals. You want to do something that you haven't been able to do. It's it's about putting yourself in a position where you might not totally feel comfortable at that time, right? But the more you put yourself in those positions and in those situations, the more you adapt. It's the same thing with with rehab. To be honest, like that's that's kind of how I you know explain rehab to people. It's like you want to be able to do this activity that you can't do right now. Well, you have to be able to expose yourself to being in those specific positions or being in those, doing those specific movements. Right. So that your body, your, your mind, your, your system adapts. Right. So I think that was, yeah, a really amazing point there.
1: No, I, um, it's very, and just like, it's kind of like that hustle mentality, that grind mentality. It's like, um, it's not, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows, you know, and it's, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. The next thing I was going to say to is like soft skills. And, uh, I know, at, like at U of T we, we said it, it's, um, and a lot of the physios say it's like, you know, being a therapist, uh, like clinically your clinical skills are, I don't know for an arbitrary number, let's say 30% of it and your soft skills might be 70, right? It's just being a good person is part of being a good therapist. You could be the best therapist in the world. And if you don't know how to what I said earlier, show empathy, empowerment, um, for your, for your clients, um, they, they might not come back, you know, they might feel better, but maybe they won't go do that marathon they want to do or whatever it may be. Um, but I think also you can, you can really employ those strategically, um, in your treatment sessions and educate your clients and show good body language and, um, go from there. So like one thing I always do, this is um, two, two things I took away from, I want to say it was U of T. I don't know who it was that said to me, um, but the saying was uh, like, just don't look at the clock, right? So yeah. yep. um, if you have that mentality and it's an overarching mindset, if you look at the clock and you're just your client knows you're looking at the clock, then they know you're not involved in that treatment session. You're just on to the next one. So that's, that goes far beyond whatever the clock may be. Right. Mm -hmm. It could be, it could be anything. So, um, and then I say the other thing too is just another thing in terms of body language um, whenever I'm doing an initial assessment, especially if someone, depending on how they feel, if they might not appear as confident, they're very hesitant, reserved. Um, I always put myself in like a position of like, uh, being lower than them. Like I will, And I I heard people talk about this It's like, they actually will raise the table, um, a little bit of your, your newest initial assessment sitting in front of you, you know, and I'll be sitting down on a stool just to appear lower than them, make them feel, feel comfortable. And I'm like in a position of like providing a service to them. Like I'm here to help you get better. You know, um, I don't think people realize like how powerful that can be.
0: I, I there's you brought up so many good points there. Um, the first, I remember talking to you at Starbucks and you actually mentioned the part about the clock and looking at it. And you were like, yeah, like you don't ever want to look at your watch or look at the time because the client sees that. Right. Then it almost seems as if like your treatment is kind of, you're looking at it as as, as, as a finite kind of time. Right. yeah And that's the first thing that I took from you. Right. And I think there's a quote out there is, um, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be butcher or not, but like people don't necessarily care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes, right. You might have the best technical skills. You might have the best exercise repertoire. You might have the best hands, but if you don't sh- show people that you actually care and then it doesn't really matter because people, people aren't going to come back, right. They don't want to exactly. come back to people that are dicks or that, you know, are cold or, you know, aren't personal. Right. So yep. to you, like you said, 70% of, of making it as a new grad is, is the soft skills, right. Is, is all the things of like communication, body language, you know, empathy, like active listening. Right. And I think for myself, th- honestly, like I wasn't too confident in my technical skills, as a new grad, but I you know I worked on that soft skills, worked on a communication a shit ton. And, you know, I was able to get the outcomes that, I want to with clients without necessarily having the skills or the experience. Right. So.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so, so, so important. I could, I could talk about soft skills for like hours in itself. Um, so many like tiny little examples of things that, um, of things that help, but yeah, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll move on to the next one. So, um, one thing, um, now I, I wouldn't say I've done this the best because, uh, I just, I do work a lot because I do love where I work, but, um, I think it's really important to just like be able to separate your work and home life. And, um, for me, like, you know, treating is one thing, but outside of treating, it's like, I was always working on things. I, I always enjoyed doing making Instagram posts or building a cool community event or something. So, um, but what I'm talking about is from like the clinical side. It's like, if you have gaps in your day and as a new grad, you're going to, um, don't wait to chart at home. If you have those extra 10, 15 minutes, get a couple charts done, you know, get, get them done and get them out of the way because you'll be like, Oh, I'll just do it later. But you know, later it's like there, there's the hockey game on or there's whatever, like another social event and just the more you can really separate as much as you can to do something else that you know you want to do. And for me, that was Instagram and, uh, and community events. Right. So, but that could be going for a run, going to the gym, playing guitar, whatever that may be. Um, just make sure you make the time for that, you know? Um, how, yeah, I, I'm curious,
0: sorry, go ahead. you know, with, with your, with the vast amount of hours you put into clinical time, how, how are you able to make time for the gym? Like how are you able to time t- make time for Let's say your, your partner or for, your nutrition for everything outside of that it's uh you know for me right now it's it's kind of a struggle right a lot of that time is spent towards you know being in clinic on let's say charting working on like following up with clients how are you able to make sure that that didn't sacrifice with you putting as much time into into the clinic
1: yeah um for me and I'll be honest I'll be the first one to say I've had the moment where I had the burnout you know and I wasn't like it wasn't bad, but just that pure exhaustion, like you learn from those mistakes. Um, for me right now, I think it's just to have a consistent schedule. Like for me, like right now, you know, I have a very consistent schedule. I can extend my hours as I wish, Mm -hmm. but you know, I know every Tuesday night's free. I know every Thursday night's free Friday. I'm done at five in the summer. I'm done at two, you know, Saturdays nine to two. So I kind of make my plans around that Sunday is my, um, like my day off. So it's all, it's always kind of changing and always perfecting. It's a very fluid schedule, but you try to be as rigid with it as possible. Um, like Monday, Wednesday, I work, I work in the morning and night, but I use the middle for the gym, you know, and yeah. just, I just have my goals and I'm like, okay, what do I, what do I want to do? So my goals this year are run Lulu 10 K and run Scotiabank half marathon. I did that last year and my goals are to do that and beat my times from, from last year. Mm-hmm. So I have to reverse engineer that and be able to do that. Um,
0: let's, let's, let's talk more yep. about that. How do you, you mentioned reverse engineering dump. How do you almost gamify that? How do you set your goals and work backwards? What is your process for that?
1: I think you, you follow Gary V, right? You know, Gary V? Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. Very so,
1: yeah. So um, he talks a lot about reverse engineering and you just have to be like, what what is the goal in front of me? And how do I get there? If you break it, uh, 10 steps like, okay, I want to play in the NHL. Cool. In order to get in the NHL, like if you can if you don't know how to skate, you're not getting to the NHL. Got to get to another league under the NHL and another league under that and learn this skill and learn that skill. So let's say for me, um, you, you say gamify it, right? So let's say for a new grad therapist, they want to pay off their student debt, something like that. And you're like, cool. My goal is to pay off my student debt. Awesome. Have a smart approach to it. Is it specific? Okay, cool. You want to pay off your student debt. That's what it is. But where's what's the timeline on it, right? Make a smart goal and then be like, okay, let's say you have 100K in student debt and you want to pay that off over a year. Is that realistic, right? And go from there. Um, and I think you have to just really sit down and be able to reflect on it. Um, to be able to reverse engineer something and like make it come to life. It's like, if you, 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 I always set the goal high knowing that I don't like, it doesn't really matter if I hit it, but if I work my butt off and try all I can to hit it, I know I'm going to land somewhere pretty damn close. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. it's just kind of having that approach.
0: I think uh, I was reading a book recently. It's uh, Principles for Success by Ray Dalio. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of similar to what you're talking about or alluded to with the goals, right? So he has a five-step process in terms of for success, right? The first one is identifying that goal that you want to reach. And then from there, working backwards to identifying all the potential problems that is affecting you from reaching that goal. And then from the problems, right? What are these potential solutions? And then these solutions, what are you going to do to to act towards kind of reaching these solutions? Um, and then the last one is just execution, right? And I think Gary yep. B talks about the most, right? you, you know, you can plan as much as you want, but if you don't execute, then you're not going to get results.
1: Exactly. So I'm sorry, sorry. like people, yeah, I was just, I was just going to say, like, I love just analogies or just saying, things. like, it's one brick at a time, right? It's like, <laughs> cool, I want to build a wall, but it's like, I think it was, maybe it was Will it was Smith.
0: Will Smith, Will Smith, yeah. yeah.
1: I think I posted it on my Instagram but it's like cool like I don't care about this wall I am going to focus on this brick for the next however long that period is and I'm going to do everything in my power to lay that brick as perfectly as it can be laid right and then on to the next one so yeah. let's say let's say you have a yearly goal um in like let's say therapist revenue right be like, okay. What is my therapist revenue? Like, what is my goal? What is it per month? And just go from there, right? It's like mm-hmm. I am going to take extra shifts. I will do all of these things that we're already talking about to just really try to reach that goal. You're probably gonna, you're probably gonna achieve it. You'll probably exceed it. Totally. That
0: those that those two quotes by, or those two sayings by Will Smith, like you know the t- part about laying that brick down as perfectly as possible right? That, that one and the one where he talks about, you know, being on a treadmill and not being outworked. I think those are two of my favorite quotes. And I think, yeah, he spoke about that perfectly, man. In terms of, we talk about, you know, a lot of all these tips that you have for new grads. Do you have a specific metric that you think would be most important for a new grad to to track or to measure, you know, um, to help build up that case load or just help to um, to learn, you know, as a, as a to to grow as their practice?
1: Yeah, there's, there's a lot. Um, there There's a lot of, uh, a lot of measures out there. Like you probably know, like having spoken with Nick, um, we use like PVA, right? Patient visit average. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good measure. Um, but what it, it's very hard to track. So what patient visit average and what any, any industry or any, um, especially in the rehab space, it's very hard to do, but if you want to really measure, you need to understand like the client lifetime value. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't think people wrap their head around this. It's like, so let's say you have a new grad and you're done. We have this so many times it'll happen. You're done. Your shift is done at 9 PM, but you have a gap from eight to 8:30, right? Let's extend your shift to 9.30. Now you have a 60-minute available. We do 60-minute assessments at Talks. So now they have the potential of of an initial assessment. Now, does that person, is that just a fee split? Like, do they just get their fee split from that person? No, it's what is the potential client lifetime value of that person? Especially Mm -hmm. understanding if they refer people as well. Like, you never know that. And I think as a new grad, they're just... Focused very transactionally. It's like cool, like I did this much today, I did that much today. And you haven't had enough reps to see how something can come back and positively affect you, let's say a full 365 in the future. Right. So I have a couple of examples of that. But one is um we did a pop-up at a run. It was actually the Lulu 10K a couple of years ago. And um uh how did it go? We did treatments. So we're popping up to do these treatments and then that happened. Did that? Got some clients from it and everything. Good clients, and then went full year. Then we planned it again, and we did it again the next year. And we had a group, and but we didn't bring tables this time. We were more there for like education, hanging out with our clients, saying hi, just being there for support. Right? Had kind of like a bit of a recovery area. And I had someone come up to me, and uh, or I, someone booked in a week after, and she said. She's like, Oh yeah. Like I met you at Lulu. Like you treated me. This is awesome. Like, thank you. Like, it, and I'm like, wait a minute. Like I didn't, we didn't even treat at Lulu. Like that was last year. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah like yeah. I met you last year. You treated me. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, like I've, there's so many of those micro examples of how that can positively affect you. So um, I guess like, have you ever heard of the, the concept? I was talking to a couple people about this earlier, like the latte fund but
0: no, I haven't.
1: No. So it's more of like a finance thing, but people talk about all oh, these, like the latte could be anything. It could be lunches. It could be coffees, whatever. And they mm-hmm. talk about if you have that money, you save it, you save that money every day, let's say $2 a day, every day of the yeah. week, add that up over a year. Um, and I think the biggest thing about the latte fund is you buy your two, $3 coffee and you it's not really a two or $3 coffee because the, what you could do with that money in the long run is you can invest it and make interest on it. Right. And you have it available yeah. for other things. So that two to $3 coffee, maybe that's like a five or $6 coffee really. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you apply that to rehab and caseloads. Yeah. That one client is potentially a huge client lifetime value. hundred percent. And you, you don't know the value of that client. So you have to treat everyone with, and obviously, we do treat everyone with the utmost respect, but with the utmost potential of where that relationship can lead. And I yeah. don't think people view it that way. And the yeah. the sooner you realize that, just like investments, the sooner you invest, the better off you are. The sooner you realize that in your caseload building, the sooner you are going to be a 100% packed physio.
0: I, I like. I couldn't agree more, man. I think the mindset, for, mindset shift for me was when someone told me that, you know, one client coming in is not just one client. One client coming in, that's like 100, 200 clients, right? Uh, or like they, that's 100, 200 people, right? And it's, it's not just, you know, one person comes in and you treat them. It's, you know, they have family, they have friends, you know, they have their whole community, right? And if you create an experience for them, right, and you help them achieve their goals, right, then they're going to say good things about you you know, I think we talked about a little bit more about this, but, uh, it's a difference between a cold and warm lead. Right. And a warm lead is someone comes in through uh, a referral. Right. And that's usually in my opinion, one of the, the strongest sources for, uh, for referrals to come in because people that, who have referred you, who have, who are like, yo, Alex is the best man. He, he's going to take care of you. You know, he like, he got you right. You don't have to like you, they've already have your trust. Right. And, let's say you compare that to someone that's come in uh, through walk-in or come in just because they saw, you know, my detox online, right there. It's a little bit more challenging to, to help get them buy in. Right. Whereas someone that's ready, you know, you're really treating their friend. It's like you already have that connection. Right. And it's, uh, it's a, it's a little bit more easier to, to get them to uh, complete their palliative care and actually help them that way. You know,
1: exactly. It's um, it's just, it's free advertisement. You look at Instagram, it's, it's social media, it's advertising. It's your, your, your clients that are warm leads are going to end up being your biggest fans and um, your warmest referral networks. It's like a walking billboard. Right. So yeah, kind of it so, like that.
0: Yeah, man. It's so, uh, it's like you said before, it's, it's not about being transactional. I think with a lot of services, right when we come off as being transactional, then it's like, okay, I do this for you and then you do this for me. Right. It's to me, it's not not about that. It's like, okay, how can you give and you give without receive or give, give without getting something back, you know, in terms of expectation. Right. And I think, yeah. you know, if we have the mentality where we're giving and we're providing value and we're not trying to get something in return, I think that then people can start to be like, Oh shit. Like this actually, this guy actually cares about me, you know, he actually, yep. you know, is a human, right? As a, instead of like, oh, you know, he's one of those salespersons or he's he, want, he wants to get something from me, you know? So. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I find that very, very valuable. And like, so me being in a community role, like having done that in the past, like, you know, you you naturally, I naturally did that. And every therapist should really be their own community lead. That's just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. You should be like, let's say you have someone come in like they fill out an intake form. They're going to have, you know, their email. Um, I was talking to a couple of our Markham uh, Markham therapists today and I just took them through what, what would an intake form, like what does our intake form have and what, what can you already take from that person about like, you know, potentially their interests and stuff like that before they come in. So they're going to fill out sure the medical aspect of things, but um, this is just a funniest side, but like I'm from Eastern Ontario. So the area code there is six one three. So if I see a number, a phone number on an intake form that's six one three, I instantly have a have common ground with that person. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that's already learning so much about them. That's already a touch point in that conversation. And you're just warming up that lead. It's,
0: it's finding ways to connect, right. And building rapport with a person. Right. Yeah, and exactly. once you build that rapport, once you build that trust, right. Then, you know, that's, you can, you know, that's, you can do anything. Right. In terms of, you know, doing, you know, let's say getting them to exercise, getting them to move, to, you know, explaining to them, you know, that, you know, certain things that um, like just kind of challenging certain beliefs that they have that may be affecting the recovery. Right that trust right. and that building rapport is so important and be able to connect it with them on, not just a, you know, on a therapy level, but on a personal level is, is probably one of the most important things that I think exactly. is, is should happen within the initial assessment. Kind of moving towards, you know, the the end of this podcast, cause I, I don't want to keep you for too long here. Um, we always talk about a book that, you know, has helped, you know, our our guests kind of grow and transition whether that be on a personal side
1: on, or on the business side,
0: Alex, what's one book that has helped you, you know, throughout your career?
1: Um, biggest book for me. Um, I got it as a, I think it was a Christmas gift actually. Um, and it's just, uh, I actually have it right here in front of me. It's like right on my bookshelf, but it's, um, have you heard of, uh, Jim Collins? Good to great. No, I actually. No. Haven't. So, he talks about um, some very high-level concepts in it. Um, but it's kind of cool because it's, it's, it's more of like case studies. And what they do is they look back at um, interesting, like large, large companies, like over like the last, I think it's like 40 to 50 years. Um, and they come up with like these principles and things to follow. Um, and what, what have the most successful CEOs and companies done And, um, how it's kind of gets implemented into, into your company. Um, so one thing they talk about is, uh, level five leadership, for example, level five leadership is just a very, very interesting view on, uh, how, how do you, how do you build a company so well and so empowered that if you were to fully leave, that company is still going to grow. Right. And, that's just, that's one examples within the book where they just talk about, um, there's the good and the bad of that companies that have done that companies that haven't done that. So that's all about just development of your team. So
0: like that sound, to me sounds like servant leadership, you know, being exactly. able to serve your people and to grow your people and to, you know, grow them on a personal level, but also on a professional levels as, as well. Exactly. We're going to put that in the, in the uh, in the post, good good to great by sorry, who was the name of the author?
1: Uh, Jim Collins, Jim Collins, perfect. Yeah. And then um. uh, after our meetings, we had meetings this week, and good old Nick Low, uh, he gave me two more pieces of homework, so he gave me a couple more books to read, which I now have to dive into. So I'm excited for those ones, but I'll just shout those one out, those ones out. So there's one called Drive by Daniel H. Pink. And then the five dysfunctions of a team, by I'm gonna butcher this name, but Patrick, <laughs> Lencioni. but um, no worries. Man. Yeah. So
0: that yeah. the the book by Drive, uh, sorry, the book by Daniel Pickett, I'm actually reading that book right now. I think Scott talked about it a little about the intrinsic versus intrinsic motivation and the three keys to getting people to getting people motivated on more of an intrinsic level. I think that's really important to understand that, you know, especially stepping into that leadership role, right. You know, you want to understand what drives people on your team on an internal level, you know, whether, exactly. uh, rather than having it, uh, rather than that be external. Right. So, so yeah, exactly. But um, to wrap up this, uh, this podcast episode today, where can our listeners, where can our, when, where can people find you, Uh, where can they reach
1: out to you on social media? Um, Social media, um, mostly just Instagram. So Instagram, it's at heart rehab, heart H-A-R-T rehab, um, no dots, nothing like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I guess you guys probably have like quite a few students listening to this as well, right? New grads. So um, I'm always open to just like, chatting grabbing coffees with people especially well definitely in the toronto area um <laughs> i mean i won't be driving too far i mean if if they're in kingston hey only in I'm kingston from, i'm i'm from kingston so yeah. good excuse to go home but um yeah. if anyone wants to shoot me an email too it's just heart at my com.
0: amazing man but no um words. alex it was really really um we're really grateful to have you on the podcast, today, man. I honestly, I think that we could talk for another two hours. We didn't, we didn't reach as much as much topics as we could have today, but you know that that can always be for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Um, but yeah, really appreciate you uh, taking your time to ch- chat with us today. Really learned a lot. Um, yeah, so thank you so much, man.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.